there are 10 modern trends in small business that you need to know about. Five of them are recent, emerging, but the other five continue to be timeless. On the show today, we're going to walk you through each one. Enjoy. Oh, wait, uh, we are doing the first ever survey of Fizzle Show listeners, and I want to hear your thoughts. Fizzleshow.co slash survey. I'll tell you more about it in the episode, uh, but if you are at a computer right now, go to fizzleshow.co slash survey and give us just a couple minutes of your time. All right, let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! This is The Fizzle Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about exploring the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. It's our hope that this episode, like every episode we publish, will help you birth your idea into the world in a meaningful and sustainable way for you. If you need more help than just a podcast conversation, we've got it. 1,600-plus members, 40, oh, 40 different courses, are you kidding me? Courses that teach you how to do real things, like how do you use MailChimp? How do you set up your email list so it grows to 10,000 subscribers and beyond? How do you create a blog that matters? How do you start your first podcast? Those are the kind of courses we're talking about, all right? And then over 40 different founder stories. These are in-depth interviews with founders who've actually created the kind of company that you would love to have made. How did they do it? What are the tactics that they use? What do they wish they would have known before they started out? Those are inside. Also, the nine-stage Fizzle Business Roadmap, which guides you through every step of building a business. I can keep going. There's calls every week, every Friday. We do a Fizzle Friday call where you can ask your question to one of us on the show. This is all within the membership of Fizzle. And as a Fizzle Show listener, you can get five weeks for free when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay? Courses and community to help you make your own living. Fizzle.co slash try five. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 193. I'll be back after this to fill in any gaps. I'm talking today with uh, Corbett Barr and Steph Crowder. Are you? We've got a great conversation coming up today. You know why, guys? Because we're going to get inside the 10,000-foot view module. Every once in a while, I get to do this because I'm close friends with a guy called Corbett Barr who's standing right next to me. Hey, Corbett. And what he has in his brain is this uh, this special tool that helps him go, pew, and he launches up into the air, and he can see sort of... He can see the groundscape, the, the the landscape of all the things that are going on because he has more history in this business world than you or I and more, uh, I guess, more deep history in the technology sides of things, which is if you've been around technology in a meaningful or professional way for 15 years, you've seen so much come and go that you're used to seeing you're used to seeing or imagining how this thing that's working right now is going to come and go, right? Because you've yeah. seen Friendster. Right. And you've seen Flickr do its thing. And then, oh, and now it got bought and rebooted. You know, you see these things happen that just help you kind of go, what's happening in the ecosystem of doing business? So we're going to jump into that 
that like module in his brain right now. He's going to fire us up like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory at the very end when Charlie, he's a good kid. He brings him back the thing that he's going to steal. God, Charlie's such a stud. And we're going to jump into that and we're going to go boom, way up in the air and take a look at all the landscape because Corbett Barr has written a post that is called what, Corbett? 10 trends in small internet business for 2017 and beyond. Now, come on. I'm doing all the hype man stuff for you. You got to give me a little energy when you say it. Do it again. Do it again. That wasn't energy? No. Go. Come on. Come on. All right. Well, Chase, today we have for you <laughs> yeah. 10 trends in small internet business for 2017 and beyond. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Wow. I meant, whoops. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> I need to set a marker there, and I don't have my marker shortcut yet. <laughs> so this uh, this is funny because I always struggle with what to call these things because we know that we're not just talking about business trends. We're talking about some specific kinds of business trends. Yeah, We're talking about trends in the kinds of businesses that that we run, that our friends run, that we talk about. And the best I could come up with today was small internet business. Small internet business. Now, we struggle with this all the time, what to call ourselves, right? Because right. for Fizzle, what we do is we teach people how to start their own business. Yeah. Okay, now that can be what we love. I love the term indie entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I love the term indie business because it reminds me of the indie bands who are going like, we're not going with some big label who are going to sell us out and make a lot of money off of our records and we get right. pennies. So that's like that's like doing the startup-y sort of thing in some ways, right? That's yeah. like kind of like, hey, we've got all these board of investors and all that stuff. Where I like, so I like the independent side of it, but that's not a term that's, that's caught on. That's not someone, people don't think of themselves as an indie entrepreneur as much as I'd like them to. Yeah. Then there's just like being an entrepreneur, being an internet business owner, being a small business owner. Yeah. I don't know if any of these really like make sense to, to, to much of us. Well, I think, uh, as we listen through these trends, it'll be clear to people what kinds of business we're talking about. And I think if you've listened to the fizzle show at all, you probably know the kinds of businesses we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I don't know. So we're going to get into 10 trends before we do though, before we do, uh, staff Corbin and I were talking about, uh, before, before you jumped on, we want to do a survey of the fizzle show listeners. So we're, we've made a survey for you. Quick survey. We've got the goal of this being a two-minute survey that you could just quickly do. And it's going to be at fizzleshow.co slash survey. Okay? That's going to be available for just like a week or two maximum to do that. So fizzleshow.co slash survey. Okay? That's where you're going to go. Just do a quick, quick survey for us because your show listener... We want to hear what you want to hear more about. We want to hear what you're working on actively right now. And we want to hear, we've got a few questions set up for you there to go through because I want to make this show so much more valuable to you. I want to make stuff every single week that you go like, yes, that was helpful. And we get that all the time in the iTunes reviews. So we're already doing it. But I want to make it better. I want to I want to get into new territory, more uncharted territory. I'm interested in what we can make the fizzle show. And I really want you to have a voice in this. So, dear listener, every one of you, please, if you could, I would love for every single one of the fizzle show listeners to go to fizzleshow.co slash survey so I can hear your voice and share it with the rest of the team and implement some of your feedback into the show. Fizzleshow.co slash survey survey. All right, let's get into the trends. All right. So these are 10 trends that we see here on the Fizzle team 
in small independent businesses with a focus on online businesses. And the first half of these, the first five, are trends that are developing new things. And the second half, the last five, are going to be things that are really kind of more of the same, I think. Mm -hmm. So to kick it off, let's talk about what we're doing right now, that is podcasting. Oh, yeah. The first trend we see is that podcasting has really lost its hotness, right? Mm. And it has just really become sort of one tool in the box to me. So a few years ago, podcasting was really, you remember, all the rage. This was when we launched The Fizzle Show in 2013. Mm -hmm. Remember, it felt like this land grab, like everybody yeah. needed to get a podcast up ASAP yeah. because we could see that people like um, Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas and others were having mm -hmm. some real success with podcasting. I don't remember exactly when Serial came out, but mm -hmm. it was kind of along the yeah. same timeline. Yeah. yeah, roughly there. And that was, well, Serial was a podcast that was so important because all of a sudden your, uh, I don't know, your cousin's who aren't into technology at all might have heard of podcasting at that point. Right. You know, so this is a show that got into the vein of a lot of pop culture. Yeah. And this is when a lot of new apps were developed. This is when SoundCloud started supporting podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Stitcher was fairly new. Um, the Overcast app mm -hmm. was, was developed around yeah. that time. Mm -hmm. So uh, we got the Fizzle Show online in 2013. And I'm really glad we did because it's become the consistently highest uh, source biggest source of new customers for us. Yeah, so podcasting yeah. has been immensely important. But now in 2016, 2017, I think it's lost a little bit of its hotness. You don't hear people talking about it all the it time. It seems like it did what all things like this do. Yeah. It, it becomes much more challenging to be a big deal in that world, right? It's almost like you can, the same exact thing happened with blogging. Yeah. Right. Chris Brogan and Gary Vaynerchuk and, and but not Gary's not much of a, of a blogger, I guess, but like people who started, even you, Corbett, people who started a certain time in blogging, your chances of success were higher simply because there wasn't as many people playing in that field. I, I, I don't think so. I what do you think? I disagree. I mean, I think, you know, even when we got started in podcasting in yeah. 2013, I think that might have been true when some people started back in 2010. Yeah, certainly, certainly, certainly. Or I blogging think, in 2004. But it's like that built up, you know, it's like, oh, it was easy in 2009, 2010, because there wasn't much there. And anybody who wanted to listen to a podcast, they'd probably find your show somehow. Yeah. But then, and so people are talking about it like it's easy. And then eventually it's like, wow, it's a lot harder now. But I think when the buzz cycle is reaching its peak, it's already hard. It's already hard. Right? Because yeah. everyone's talking yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just that when everyone is is starting to, to, you know, like turn on to something like this, the buzz cycle gets like, you know, really turned up to 11. Yeah. And... That's just because everyone's launching a podcast and they want to tell you about how how cool and fun it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then those people just lose a little bit of interest because they're doing it now. Mm -hmm. We don't talk all the time about how amazing podcasting is because yeah. we've just done it every week for the past three years. Yeah, yeah. So um, mm -hmm. the, the point of this trend is not to say that podcasting is over. I think, in fact, when the hotness wears off of something, it starts to become maybe a little easier again Yeah, because there's not all that energy behind it and people are looking for the next hot trend, whatever that might be. I think you have still a great shot at launching a podcast today and getting traction and it becoming an important tool in the toolbox, just like blogging yeah. is, yeah. just like social media is, um, but realize that you're just not going to hear as many people talking about it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not yeah. still a great choice for you. Yeah. So this is one of those big trend noticing that like, hey, podcasting, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a while ago we were talking, people were talking about it like it was 
it was the next hot, it was the hot thing. Yeah. And now that's being talked about like that much less. It's like people aren't, new people aren't coming up and saying that because yeah. that is no longer the case. Even though, like you say in the post, it's still enormously uh, useful. It's still enormously powerful if you can put things together. And But now it's like like blogging. You were competing with a lot of things and it's hard to get, like you have to put a good show together. You have to understand your audience. You have to strike a nerve and, and do all the promotion and stuff like that to build your show. Still possible, but maybe more difficult than it used to be to get that initial audience in yeah. some ways. Yep. Right? yep, absolutely. I like that. Um, and, you know, we'll tell you uh, how hard it is. We will. In a few weeks because we have a new podcast coming out. Oh, we shouldn't share anything about I'm not, that. I'm not say anything more. I oh, just... what? <laughs> I mean, I guess if anybody was on the email list at fizzle.co, if they went to the show notes for this episode, they could easily get on the email list and get our free guides. And maybe they'd get some sort of notification about this they thing. They might hear about it. A new, if there was a new podcast Sorry, coming if, out, if there was, yeah, you're right, you know, it's a big if, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay, all right, so that's your first one. What's the second one? All right, the second one here is we have started to see more of our kinds of entrepreneurs, you know, whatever you want mm. to call that, indie entrepreneur sort of thing, yeah. We're starting to see more and more people get comfortable with the idea of building software, mm. so. The people in our space, you know, typically have turned to info products, to services, uh, to hosting online workshops, conferences, things yeah, like that yeah, in order to yeah. earn a living. Some people are product makers, things like that. But we're starting to see that there have been a few high profile success stories where people who used to rely on info products mm -hmm. are now building software and doing quite well for themselves. Yeah. We're talking about people like Clay Collins behind Lead Pages, which is a massive success. They've raised. He was a blogger conversion guy type of thing, right? Yep. He was an info products guy before. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Barry with ConvertKit yeah. is another good one. Nathan has just taken off, and ConvertKit now is doing like $400,000 a month in revenue or something yeah. crazy. And Nathan got his start as a, a designer uh -huh. and also had produced a number of guides around yeah, design. Designer doing blogging info stuff, eventually do, like that, building an audience. And then he built an email tool specifically for the kinds of businesses that he wanted to start. Yeah. Which was, so it's like, it's okay. MailChimp was leaving me hanging on this, this, and this. So he built a piece of software that did that. And a company that ran that. And now he's got a real company on his hands. Real company. Uh, Laura Roeder is another example with a product called Edgar, which is yeah. a social media scheduling tool. Laura was another uh, person who had created courses on social media online. Mm -hmm. And uh, finally, Brian Clark with Rainmaker. Brian's story is a little different um, because he has a lot of products out there now. Yeah. But Brian as well started as copy blogger and created courses. And then he ended up acquiring a couple of businesses that made software and eventually led him to creating Rainmaker. So all of yeah. these are high profile success stories. And the interesting thing is not just that these people were info products builders in the past, but also that they didn't have direct software development experience, Yeah, right? These aren't engineers. They hadn't run big software businesses yeah. in the past. Yeah. And yet they figured out how to make it work. They've succeeded. Yeah. And now I think that's trickling down and it's inspiring other people. I say this because at the World Domination Summit conference this summer, I had multiple conversations with people who were, you know, creating courses online and now we're working on some sort of software project yeah. on the side. Yeah. So I think this is a trend that's building. I don't know if these new attempts are going to be successful necessarily. Yeah. Building software is still really hard. I don't think it's nearly the sure thing that creating an online course might be. 
But I think you will see some more successes and that will probably inspire even more attempts at it. Yeah, love it. That's a great insight. Uh, Number three, this is something near and dear to my heart because I've been a part of both of these. The startup and, if I might use air quotes on this one, the lifestyle business worlds are overlapping, I think, more than ever. Mm. So it used to be, and I wrote about this four or five years ago, that there were kind of two worlds out there. There was a startup world, and that's the group of people who are mostly building software, raising venture capital, and trying yeah. to build something really big, really fast. Yeah. And then there's this other world, which, for lack of a better term, has sometimes been called the lifestyle business world, which is used as a derogatory term sometimes in the startup world. Like, oh, that's cute. You have a lifestyle business. Yeah, but yeah. the point is that the people who start lifestyle businesses aren't necessarily aiming to build a really big company, to build it really fast. They're trying more to accomplish the goals of providing for a great lifestyle while building a business instead of trying to hit a home run so that they can do that. Later. Totally. Yeah. Now I think these two are starting to overlap a little bit more mm-hmm. than they used to. Um, and this is for a number of reasons. I think that there's been a little cross pollination between these. You've seen people in startups, maybe try their hand at bootstrapping. Mm-hmm. You've seen people in lifestyle businesses, maybe go to work for startups and they're starting to see that there's more overlap there. You also are seeing that uh, some startup founders have been burned, I think, by venture capital. They've mm. realized that just because you get a check for a million dollars doesn't mean that you're guaranteed yeah. success. Yeah. They also, maybe at the end of failures, a lot like I did, uh, looked around and said, wait a second, what was the point of building that business in the first place? Wasn't yeah. it so that I could live a better life for myself? Yeah. And yeah. why not try to do that now? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if you guys are seeing anything similar. But. No, absolutely. I, I think so. This idea that there was what, what used to be two very different classes, you know what I mean? Or like, like yeah, I guess classes is one way of saying it, but the people who wanted to do startups and the people who wanted to do lifestyle business and the startup people looked down on the lifestyle business and the lifestyle business felt superior to the startup people. You know what I mean? Even though the, the lifestyle people always had like smaller businesses, but they were small and profitable. Yeah. Right. And this was always the goal yeah. to do something like that, bootstrapped, profitable and proud. Right. Uh, whereas now I think you're right, because we're seeing how the ecosystem of of getting funding, et cetera, works. And not only that, a lot of these come a lot of these, uh, you know, capital places requiring you to have a, a product of some kind and some audience before they'll even invest in you. Right. Right. So you got to do the bootstrapping anyways. So they, they've kind of forced you into, into life, like, okay, low scale lifestyle business at minimum with potential investment and do try to do the big thing yeah. to scale huge. But, uh, at the same time, I think, I think for me personally, uh, this idea of growth as a, as a way of scaling super fast in a really competitive landscape where it's like you just read before, uh, we pressed record that Yik Yak was shutting down. Right? Yeah, right, Yik Yak's firing everybody. Right? Well, what was Yik Yak? It was like, all right, what if we did something like this, and then we made it anonymous, and then it was like location based. It was like, it's like maybe then maybe people will like that kind of thing. Yeah, right. It's like not like maybe we'll build a roof, <laughs> maybe we'll like build walls. You know, maybe we could do that kind of thing. People are like, it's like totally far from what we need for what we need. But that's the realm of the startup right now. It's like, what's the next thing that people think they need? But that's that that's so far from survival that 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 can come and go really easily. Yeah. And they're experiencing that. So a lot of those companies in that world, in some ways, it feels like, could we get people to really love and want this thing? Kind of like those are the companies that need scale and big. 
Whereas all the advice that we push, for example, is about be useful, make something people already need and want, like solve an actual problem. This is how you build a business on a market that exists or is is like emerging, you know? So yeah. for all those reasons, it feels like, because the lifestyle people are talking like startup people too. They are. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. It's going the other way too. And, and vice versa a little bit. I think that uh, there's just so much media out there now. There's so many yeah. blogs and podcasts and people are telling their yeah, success yeah. stories. Yeah, that's a big point. Like the guy from uh, mm -hmm. Smart Bear, right? From Manage WP yeah. or whatever. Like there's a lot of this uh, founder, like hip, young founder, like intelligent engineery but like can communicate yeah stuff. and i think a lot of those people you know like um like jason cohen is who yeah. you're talking about and some others uh are in the startup world and they observed that a lot of people in the lifestyle world were very successful at building an audience for themselves a platform for themselves with blogging or something yeah. like that yeah and so there's this cross-pollination that's happening there mm -hmm. and at the same time like there's a lot of information out there about how startups are growing there's a lot of information about how SaaS businesses are growing. Yeah. That's coming from the startup world, but it's infiltrated our lifestyle business yeah. world. So we're able to learn from them. And totally. so there's just this cross-pollination. And I think as venture capital is going to continue to dry up, most mm -hmm. likely over the next couple of years, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Yep. feels like we're sort of at the end of one of those cycles. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just going to cause a lot of people to have to bootstrap. Yeah. And when you bootstrap, you just have a lot more freedom to decide how you want to run your business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love it. What's your next one? Oh, wait, Steph, do you have something to add? Yeah. I was just going to add this one is especially exciting for me because kind of like Corbett, this is sort of where I grew up in the startup world as well. And mm -hmm. from a culture perspective, this one excites me because I hope this is my hope. My hope is that some of these startups, some of the tech startups that employ a lot of people, you know, people go to work for them with kind of high hopes. I sort of hope that they're tuning in to some of the benefits of starting a lifestyle business because I, can, I mean, for me, you know, working for a tech startup for a long time that was exploding, you know, all the unlimited LaCroix water and free lunches aren't necessarily <laughs> yeah. appealing to, I think, the yeah. millennial crowd as much as maybe some of these CEOs thought they would. They thought that's what people mm -hmm. wanted when in reality, I think we've seen that millennials in particular are you know, location independence is like the new currency for a lot of people. So my hope yeah. is that some of the higher ups in these companies are starting to pay attention to the demands of these younger workers who are really, you know, trying to tune into some of the, the lessons learned from lifestyle business. So that this one's really exciting to me because I think there's a lot of people out there who don't necessarily want to go out on their own, but would still like to reap some of the benefits of being a business builder. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number four on this list is it relates to uh, all the software tools that we have these days. Basically, what we're seeing is that every category, nearly every category of software tool has a bunch of great choices. Yeah. And it didn't used to be this way. It mm -hmm. used to be, you know, five, 10 years ago, if you wanted a payments processor, you had to use PayPal. Yeah. If you wanted an email service provider, you had to use MailChimp. Mm -hmm. uh, and today you just look at, all these categories. It's like you want a task or project management tool. You've got Trello or Asana or Basecamp or two dozen other choices, yeah, right? That we yeah, don't talk about. Yeah. You want customer support. You've got Help Scout, Intercom, Groove, Freshdesk. And it seems like all of these companies are thriving pretty well. It seems like they're all doing pretty well. And who knows, there may be consolidation at yeah. some point, but they're all doing pretty well. And, and more to the point for us as entrepreneurs, you really can't go wrong. Like yeah. most of these are pretty good choices. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, 
we unfortunately end up in this situation where a lot of us spend an inordinate amount of time yeah. evaluating these packages when at the end of the day, we can almost throw a dart at the top three yeah. Yeah. and just go with one. Yeah, totally. And a lot of them are uh, have portability baked in now. Yeah. You know, it's pretty easy to transition from one email tool to another. Totally. Yeah, I mean, we did a big post recently on WordPress versus Squarespace. Like this is a, this is a, play, a, a thing where we've completely flip-flopped in the last four years, right? Whereas before it was only use WordPress. Only, like everybody only use WordPress. That's what, that's what every business who, everyone who's built a business who would go like, what should I use to build my website? It's like, but you use WordPress because you don't know what Squarespace is going to build in or not build in. And you need control over what you, you can, and you don't know how your business is going to develop. Right. Right. But now the web side of your, of your business can, it, some businesses, obviously not software or web-based businesses like, uh, like, uh, I don't know if where your, where your app is, is, in your in your website, you know what I mean. Um, but for a lot of us, the website is just the marketing side. It's just the blog. It's just the podcast. We need a sidebar where we can put advertisements. We need a place to, a page to like list the courses that are sold on another platform somewhere else. Right. You know what I mean? And it's, so it's like, oh yeah, no. The differences between these two is almost nil. It's just like these two different philosophical points of view. Which way do you want to go? Yeah. Right. And so we wrote a huge post about that. Is really successful to help people like figure it out for that exact reason. That we that I watch so many people really get stressed out about choosing which one when the when a different way of looking at this is like you got two great options to go with both of them are going to require a little work both of them are going to rub a little bit both of them are going to cost a little bit of money yada yada, yada right? right but you've got two awesome options to go with yeah you know and and that's that's an asset not a liability yeah in 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 software we have this um, concept called premature optimization it's mm. when you're worrying about some problem that probably won't present itself for a few years, like scaling. That's such example. a like a that's such a great premature optimization. And it's where you spend you might you could spend weeks working on a scaling problem. Yeah. You know, for the scenario where, well, when we have two million users, it's gonna break down here and here. Yeah. Or you can try to get those two million users first. It's like with your WordPress or Squarespace, you could try to be saving yourself uh, maybe a week's worth of switching time a year from now when you have a bunch of users yeah. and the problems of Squarespace or WordPress reveal themselves. But right now your job is to get a damn page up so yeah. that you can start attracting people. Make it make it happen. So this one is nearly every category of software tool now has multiple great choices. Yeah. And this is this is to me this is to me a little bit of like this market is developing beyond like this is a sign of the market really maturing. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and it's infancy, I think still, right? It's, it's like, it's still really young, but it's like, oh, oh, got it. So what, because what this leans towards, these are all software products and tools yeah. that are built to enable small business, small personal businesses, right? Um, like MailChimp, like uh, ConvertKit, like uh, uh, Lead Pages, like, like all of this stuff that, yeah. okay, so what do these help do? These help, you know, effectively mom and pop internet shops, and and bloggers and podcasters and of all the life to do their thing. And we are enough, like that group of people is enough to sustain this many different companies doing different things, right? Which is to say like there's this draw, this push towards independent business, towards like I can work for myself. Like I can do my own thing. Yeah. Even if it's just on the side and then I'm, I work at the post office or the, be the garbage man or do whatever, right? But I can do this supplementary thing or make it my full-time gig because like we talked about in the last one, I want how my life, how I live my life matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think uh, some of these are used by big corporations as well. When yeah. you talk about task management, yeah, Trello yeah, and Asana yeah. and stuff are used. Yeah, a lot of these. No, those, don't get me wrong. That's, that's what keeps them in, in business. That, right. That's, that's where the, the big pieces are. Right. It likely does. And, and because these, some of these markets are in the, 
hundreds of millions of dollars and, yeah. and beyond, we'll probably continue to see this happen. I think some companies like MailChimp get really big and they have uh, you know, a lot of customers and a lot of revenue, but that means they also get watered down to some degree and they're no longer serving specific niches very well. So then someone like Nathan Berry can come along and say, well, I'm going to make email marketing for professional bloggers. Yeah, and then yeah. the bloggers go, well, this suits me much better than MailChimp does. So I'm going to go with that. So I think we'll continue to see this. Uh, I hope that it moves into a few of the other arenas, software arenas that we haven't seen enough yeah. yet, like um, podcast hosting and analytics yeah. still is an area that's kind of terrible. That's great. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's an awesome opportunity for anybody who wants to like, look at like that. Like when you, when you think about it, things at this scale where it's like, okay, there's these emails, there's the email companies, there's these other companies and these other companies, where are the places where the rub is? You're bang on podcast hosting is still just like a, this sucks. Podcast analytics, no, it's, it's a nightmare because it's a naturally really difficult thing to do. Yeah. But if you make something that solves a problem there, that could be intensely valuable, not just to the little guys like us, but to, or to the little guys who are just getting started, the, the small guys like us, and then the big guys who are all doing real big stuff. And they would pay a lot of, that would money, that thing would be a lot really valuable to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, so if you're just joining us, we're going through 10 small business trends for 2017, stuff that you can start seeing in your marketplace and, 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 and you know, journaling about in your own way. Uh, and number four here was nearly every category of small business tool or s software tool uh, now has multiple great choices. Uh, there's a lot of good options out there. Let's move on to the next one. All right, the fifth trend on this list is that being a small independent product maker is a legit new career choice. Being a small independent product maker is a legit new career choice. Yeah, so I think in the old days, and by old days, I mean eh, 10, 12 years ago before the internet was really as pervasive as yeah. it is now, yeah. there were people who worked in careers, there were freelancers, and there were entrepreneurs using a, a capital E, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked at the outset about this. Like, what do we call ourselves? Well, entrepreneur a lot of times has all this baggage and it feels yeah. like this, I'm an entrepreneur. I wear a suit to work and I talk to venture capitalists. And I go to the bank and I say, can I get a loan? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, now we're seeing, and this is, uh, this is something that we see in a lot of friends of ours, frankly, yeah. that just being an independent product maker, not even necessarily an entrepreneur, but maybe an entrepreneur with a small e. Yeah. This is a basically a new career. Yeah. It's as it's just like I, you know, work for financial services. Now instead, I work as an independent product builder and I go out there and I find people who have problems and I solve those problems and I put up a little solution for them mm -hmm. on the internet and yeah. I build a course for them or yeah. I build a small service for them. And I have no intention necessarily of building a huge company. This overlaps a little bit with, you know, talking about the difference between a startup and a lifestyle business. But we just see that there are these people who are probably never going to hit a home run. They don't even intend to. And they often have to move from one product to the next because they build something and it works for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it kind of, that market drives up, dries up and they have to move on to something else. And they recognize that having multiple uh, revenue streams is really what leads to continuity for this them. makes me think of of one guy in particular of a couple of people jason zusk right zook. or zook yeah. yeah the i wear your shirt guy. yeah i wear your shirt and he's like done another project recently where he's like he's selling access to everything he's ever done i literally don't understand this yeah jason if you're listening i don't i don't understand please make a pdf tell me what 
I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. But but yeah. this is and he's crazy and he's got a great a bunch of great ideas. But it's this idea of like like this commitment to I'm going to continue to just do weird stuff. Matt Giovannisi, uh-huh. former former fizzler, who's doing something very similar. He's like, all right, I was doing this podcast for a while, Current and now I'm, now I'm doing this. Is he still in fizzle? Yeah. Oh man, I love that. And then he's it, like, now I'm doing this, and now I'm doing this, and it's almost like he's committing for the next few years to yeah. to make projects. Justin Jackson. Yeah, Justin Sean Jackson. Blanc. Totally. Like Justin Jackson's a great idea where, where, where he had a podcast right there. It was like every week he was launching a new thing, right? Yeah. Every week he would try a new product. Yeah. He would like make something new from scratch every single week and he would write a, do a podcast about it. Yeah. You know? And this is a, this is a fun thing to be, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. It, you're in charge of your own. It makes me think of, of, of being a hunter. Like you, when you're living on this world, uh, another person I think of is Brett Kelly. Now, Brett Kelly was great because I see him as doing this longer than most of the others. I've mentioned in some ways because he hit it really big with an ebook on Evernote called Evernote Essentials, mm-hmm. um, and and he's a close friend of ours. We have a great long founder story with him where we get all the details of like how this happened and a lot of the I don't know the strategies and and the story of how he put that ebook together and got it successful, and then what he's had to do to keep it updated and et cetera, et cetera. And then he was able because like like interest in that sort of waned over time, and then it didn't. And then he Evernote would come out with a new version of the product, and he would update the manual, and then it would get more interest, etc. But he's had to like sort of not stop learning how to hunt with that, even though for a good solid few years there, it was easy money, yeah, right. And I so I, that's the kind of thing that I see that I see happening where it's like, hey, actually, I can keep my family fed. I've got these skills. I know how to hunt. Yeah, not you know just I mean? keep them fed, but probably, you know, earn more than you would in a career, yeah, a regular yeah. career. Way more autonomy. And it may feel less stable at times because you have to scramble. Yeah. But, you know, over the long term, there's this, you know, continuity that happens because you learn, like you said, how yeah. to hunt. Yeah. And you, you keep remembering. It is. I mean, think about that. Think about what that's like to be in the tribe, your tribe of 15, 20 people. And like you have an asset, like you know how to hunt. Yeah. Like you're valuable. Like you can go do it. You can feed yourself. You can feed the tribe. You can trade things for other things. Yeah. Like this is, it's one of these skills that that's like, oh, okay. And what am I talking about specifically? It's like knowing how to put together a product, knowing how to market a product, knowing how to talk to customers or, or groups of people to figure out what would these people buy? This is exactly what our roadmap walks you through. This is absolutely a, a learnable thing. To learn how to be an entrepreneur is exactly the kind of thing you could learn today that is going to be so valuable to you over time. Because when you learn how to spot an opportunity, how to put together a piece of uh, of of writing or audio or video that preaches, that like speaks to someone, and that they like go like, yes, tell me where to click yeah. and where to put the money. That these skills are teachable, and we're actively teaching them in the roadmap, which is inside Fizzle. You should check it out. And uh, this is made possible, again, because of the internet. You can now create digital products. You can sell them to people that you reached yourself because of social media. And this just wasn't possible 15 years ago or or 20 years ago and and before that. I watched a cheesy but thoroughly enjoyable movie recently Uh uh, called Joy. Have you seen this? No. Steph, have you seen this movie? Mm -hmm. I have seen it. You saw Joy, Steph? Yeah. Yeah. Saw it. Yeah. Give us a synopsis, stuff. So, okay, I, think, I believe this is based on a true story of some kind. It's like, it's, I think the main character who is portrayed by Jennifer Lawrence, um, she plays this lady who created this, one of those mops that you have to ring dry, um, or I guess it's self-ringing. It she rings was like itself a, dry. Yeah, yeah, she was, 
Yeah, she was a mom and she was tired of having to like touch the nasty part of the mop. So she came up with this nifty invention and and it kind of just the whole movie follows her story of how she ended up like going on one of those, I don't know, QVC channels where you get like Mm -hmm. 15 seconds to sell your product and people have to actually pick up the phone and call in to buy the thing. So it follows her, you know, going onto the channel and selling her product and how she scaled up from there and like had a bunch of people creating these things on an assembly line. So I agree with Corbett's assessment is a little cheesy, but very, very entertaining. Cheesy. Well, this is crazy. So this is Jennifer Lawrence, man. I mean, that's my girl. That's my lady. Yeah. I love Jennifer Lawrence. It. You got to watch it. It, it had, it was in the end, it was a little overwrought. Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro. Yeah. So it's a little, it's a little, uh, a little like, you know, two on the nose, but saccharin. at the same time, uh, it pulled all the heartstrings that you Bradley wanted. Bradley Cooper. It it's like, it, it really, there's something about the story of an entrepreneur. Yeah. That just, you know, it's like at the end I was chanting Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> yeah, you know totally. what, dude? It's a story of learning. It's a story of, of survival. It's like, here's this fledgling duck. Do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, at some point, it goes through these trials and tribulations. And then, and then, oh, wait, it's learned all of the things it needs to survive. Yeah. You know, that's what it feels like when, with entrepreneurship, because otherwise you're going from job to job to job in an industry that could totally deflate overnight. We've seen this happen before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's like, there's also a lot of industries that don't deflate. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be Rush Limbaugh over here, but like still like to know how to survive yourself and have these skills. It's like an intensely like self-actualizing thing. Self is a satisfying feeling. Now I bring up this movie, uh, one to recommend it and Mm -hmm. two, because when you hear her story, which I think started in the early Mm eighties, she had so many hurdles to get through Mm. to be a successful entrepreneur, mostly because she had to create a physical product, yeah. which cost right. a lot of time and effort to build. Yeah. And yeah. she couldn't reach an audience on her own. She had to rely on someone else mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. So from both ends, from the product end and the audience end, you were beholden to other people to make this thing work. Yeah. And yeah. that made her life living hell yeah. while she was getting this thing off the ground. She's super rich and famous now. I, I looked her up afterwards and she made like a yeah. hundred you know those hangers in your closet? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the She made a bunch of stuff. Like she made, she made a bunch a of crazy stuff. amount of stuff. Yeah, this is like the QVC model. This yes. is like the whole. There's yeah. a whole world of just QVC entrepreneurship. Totally. The, what you hear from what's her name? Is it Barbara Corcoran? Who's like the yeah. Queen? Yeah, it's like the well, she's real estate. Shark Tank. Who's the who? There's some someone on Shark Tank is like QVC Barbara, guy or gal. Oh, I don't know. Barbara Corcoran is a uh, is real estate. real estate stuff. But Anyways. anyway. Uh, the point is now today, if you know, her story was told, yeah, it might not be so exciting because it's like, yeah, I blogged for some time and I started a podcast and I yeah. built a little audience yeah, and then yeah. I created this digital product on my own yeah, and it was, at my laptop. <laughs> it was difficult, but I didn't need to fly to Shenzhen or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, I didn't have to know the ins and outs of Alibaba. <laughs> That's the other yeah. thing too. Didn't she, she lost like everything. I think two different times in the movie, right? Yes. She had to invest every penny she had into the, into every her, penny mortgage, in, her, her house. Wow. Exactly. Wow. So it's interesting that we talk about this all the time in fizzle and on this show is that, you know, you are able to experiment and come up with a minimum viable product without having to put your own assets on the line. So I yeah. think that's a yeah. huge difference too. Watch this movie and then stop whining about how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Not that hard. Anymore. Watch this movie. Go sign up for a, Squarespace account and a mail 
MailChimp account, put a form on your thing, and then figure out how to make something useful to somebody. That's it. (laughs) Yes, without having to mortgage your house. We can help you along the way because there actually are some more steps. Because the hardest step is is like taking a step every week. So so speaking of, this is a great segue into the the second half of our trends today. All right. So the first half were things that we see that are kind of new and emerging. The second half of these are, for for me, more of the same. These are things that are as true today as they've been for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the first is, and this is uh, trend number six on this list, the essential roadmap for building a business is the same as it always has been. Yeah. Okay. We talk about this all the time. People who listen to this show probably know that a business succeeds when it identifies a group of people with a problem or desire and then builds a solution for them that they're willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. That has been true since the first day that some caveman figured out that some other caveman needed a sharpened stick yeah. and decided to trade them a sharpened stick for a you know, rabbit a rabbit or something, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the exact same formula that's been true yeah. for tens yeah. of thousands of years. Yeah. So the key elements are customers, a problem, and a solution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we have to hammer this home, but that trend, I think, is intact and yeah. will remain intact. And I think it's really important to to go back to these like sort of first principles of this of this business stuff, because you see like, oh, OK, there's some things that are not going away that are not changing. Facebook ads might change their policies or something right. like that. But you solving an existing problem for a particular group of people is has like literally always been the business need and the, the that's where business came out from yeah right business isn't like you can think of it as, as an evolutionary trait <laughs> do you know what i mean um and and i love that to me going back on that scale or zooming that far out makes me go oh wow that's that's a principle there's a difference between uh a principle and like a tactic you know tactics are all the all the things that have grown up on top of that and they come and go and and they they fight like bacteria on the rind of a cheese which I learned about from watching Cooked uh, on Netflix, but but the principles they stay the same. They uh, they just don't change. Yeah, this is like physics. Yeah, it is. You know, it is. There are people who want something. You can figure out how to how to fulfill it for them. They'll they'll give you something in in return. Got it. Number seven on this list is that the customer still holds the answers. Hmm. We see this all the time. The biggest mistake that most entrepreneurs make is trying to build something in a vacuum without talking to enough customers. Mm -hmm. If you just talk to customers, if you just observe their behavior and put things in front of them and see how they react to it, you're going to build a much better product. And more importantly, there will be less risk that you're going to create something only to find out that nobody wants it. Because along the way, you've said, well, what about this? Does this solve your needs? What about this? Mm -hmm. What if I did this? And you're just putting things in front of people and asking for it. And yeah. the customer still holds most of the answers. And, and as we've you know hammered this point home, a course that Steph created called the Customer Conversations course in Fizzle has become one of our not only most popular, but most effective courses. Yeah. We hear stories all the time. In fact, Steph, um, there was a really interesting case study last week in the forums. Do you recall? Yes. So yeah, so there was an uh, awesome story from a Fizzler by the name of Joe Carnes, hopefully I'm saying that right. He is a um, health and fitness uh, coach, I, th- I believe. He he certainly works in the health and fitness realm, and he uh, told us this great case, kind of case study or experiment that he did in order to tap into what Corbett's talking about here, which is 
trying to learn from customers. He, uh, uh, hopefully I'm telling this correctly, but he, from my understanding, he basically just went to Cora and decided to try to be helpful and just kind of put himself, made himself available to people who were on Cora, not selling anything, not promoting himself, not trying to get, you know, discovery calls with people, nothing like that, but instead just asking people questions, you know, what's difficult about your health and fitness goals? Why do you think your health and fitness goals get off track? And he was just absolutely blown away by the result. Not only did he get a ton of responses, in fact, more responses than he could even keep up with, but then he people started messaging him in private, asking him for his email because they wanted to continue the conversation because he had made himself so helpful and so available. So this was just like such an authentic and exciting way to approach it. A lot of times we talk about customers and customer conversations all the time on, on this show. And people are probably like, okay, enough with it. But the truth is, I think it's very intimidating for people. But at the end of the day, all this really is, is getting yourself in front of the right person and asking them some questions to understand what they really struggle with and then talking to them. And that's it. That's really all it is. And I think consistently in Fizzle, we see people being really surprised at not only how easy this is, but how it can actually really catapult them to the next step. Mm, love that. Yeah. So this is a posture. This is like a posture, a posture of you listening to your customers, of you paying attention to them and realizing that you're successful when you make something they want badly. Yeah. And that has very, that has not, yeah, there's a lot of skills that we can teach you and you need to know about how do you communicate your message? How do you get your elevator pitch across? Like, how do you, what's your headline? What's your website? What's a, what's the stuff that's going right. to be in there that actually works from a marketing and selling prop, like point of view? But that only works if you've got that first part. You've got something they actually want. Unless you want to just be a shyster and sell things that suck. To, yeah, and, to and there are, there are, uh, there's creativity involved here because your customer is not going to tell you oh, what yeah. the solution should be. They're going yeah. to tell you what their problem is. Mm-hmm. And then you have to ha- come up with creative solutions. Like the, the yeah. adage is customers don't want a uh, three eighths inch drill bit. They want a three eighths inch hole. You know? <laughs> yeah. I and always forget that. That's so good. <laughs> and if there's a creative way yeah. of, of, you know, of accomplishing that hole that doesn't involve a drill bit, the customer is not going to know that because their frame of mind is just what exists today. Yep. Yep. That is so big. All right. Uh, number eight on this list is that content is formulaic just like it always has been. Whoa. So, Content marketing, uh, including podcasting, blogging, social media, writing eBooks, whatever you want to call it, is continues to be one of the most effective, if not the most effective way to build an audience of potential customers. Mm. We rely on it day after day. Um, we see, as we said earlier, we see a lot of startups catching on to this mm-hmm. instead of spending money on advertising or praying that you're going to get some press yeah. coverage for your yeah. product. You can reach an audience yourself through content marketing. However, when you look around, a lot of today's content can feel formulaic. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, expert roundup posts. You see these all the time. You see listicles all the time. Uh, How-to posts, interview-based podcasts, uh, all kinds of beginner's guides and Mm -hmm. essential guides and advanced guides. um, You know, tweet storms, email newsletters. All these things are formulas that people use. And sometimes it can feel like your job as a content marketer is to come up with something entirely new. Yeah. But I've been around the block a few times and uh, I'd say this is exactly what it was like even in six, seven, eight years ago yeah. when blogging was actually fairly new, even though a lot of things maybe hadn't been invented yet. I guess the tweet storm didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Things like that back then. There were still other formulas that we fell into. Yeah. And 
your job as a content marketer isn't to try to completely invent something new because nobody's able to do that. You can't live at the cutting edge of coming up with new styles of content because they just don't really exist. Yeah. And so, you know, your job is really maybe to fit within those formulas. Sometimes formulas exist because they are, um, they work, yeah. right? But your job is instead to innovate within your own voice, to innovate within understanding your audience better than anyone else does. Mm -hmm. And then probably to borrow some of those formulas that already exist and figure out which ones serve you and your message and your audience best. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So content is formulaic just like always. It's always been like that. And just like we said in the last one, it takes creativity. It takes creativity to stand out and to make something that... Both that that both because why like you said formulas work and and they exist because they work right they exist because it's like oh I'm used to, I know what I'm gonna get when I click this link and I can kind of go through the list and the things and I know it's not gonna be this long arduous right and I go yeah and now whether or not I can trust you is the new era we're coming into where it's like okay I don't know if I should trust you or not right. And you can kind of prove that to me by the way your site looks and and any accolades that you have and the way that you write and things like that. Um, but but there and and there will be more questions that evolve out of there. But content is formulaic because these formulas work, and yet there's still this requirement that you, if you want to survive over time, you've got to stand out to these people who are landing on your stuff, probably from a social search or or a, a Google search or something like that. You know what I mean? That like when they land there, they're like, oh, wow, what's this about? Like, I always think about the experience of landing on wait, but why, right? See something in your Facebook page, something about like, what is this manatee one? Like, you know, dealing with the manatee and the, and the, and the, and the monkey mind or something like that. And you're like, what is, what is this? And it's like stick figure drawings. It's somehow the way that he writes and the simplicity that he communicates with uh, these very complex things, you're like, I need more of this. And you realize there's, that's an ungodly number of these articles that he's yeah. written, you know? Yeah. So it's this experience of like, I want to know more. This might be a place for me. That's kind of like still what you need to create unless you were just, you're just going for that, you know, that search ad money where, where it's like, okay, that comes and goes because yeah. those trends, those terms come and go. And in the case of Wait But Why, his content is, uh, it's just a long rambly blog post. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the format is new. No. But the way he writes the the level of research that he dives yeah, into, yeah. the voice that he uses, these are all the things that are unique to him. Totally. So I just want people to feel like they're to that they're, they shouldn't feel pressured to create some kind of new format yeah. because they don't necessarily exist. And even if you create something that's entirely new and it works, it'll probably be copied pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Your job is really to develop a unique voice, understand your audience better than anybody else does, innovate within those existing patterns and create new things if the opportunity presents itself. Yep, yep, absolutely. I like that. All right, number nine in this list is that amateurs still can't build software on their own. Mm. So technology gets easier to use every year, which is amazing. And because of that pattern, there are always these predictions that, you know, one day amateurs will be able to build new software and apps from scratch just by pointing and clicking and no yeah, coding required, yeah, yeah. right? We hear this every year, every year that we're getting closer and closer to that. We're not quite there yet. And this can feel frustrating to yeah. entrepreneurs, I think. Yeah. But I want you to realize that so that you don't go off and spend a bunch of time trying to build an app 
um, only to run up against a brick wall that is you're eventually going to either have to learn how to code or hire somebody who knows how. Yeah. Because even though, you know, with WordPress and Squarespace, it's pretty damn easy. You can pull stuff together and you can build a website, but you can't build a full app yeah. without having to code yeah. something. Totally. So I think we're getting closer. There's a tool called Webflow, which is pretty cool. Um, but it's still really focused on just basic lightweight, you know, websites that are maybe maybe data driven, but you're yeah. probably not gonna be able to create something on your own. And that means you can learn how to code, which takes months to kind of scratch the surface and probably years to get good at, or um, hire somebody or partner with someone who knows how to code. Yeah. There are yeah. all kinds of coders out there who don't know how to market, and there's all kinds of marketers who don't know how to code. So mm -hmm. some marriages should happen. Find somebody, make a love connection, and never see what you're going to get. It's going to be really good. I, make a love connection. It's very difficult, but you can do it. My name's Charlie. I like to play video games, and I would love to maybe have... Have a family with you. Call me back. <laughs> My phone number is. Remember, I was, I was channeling those like VHS dating by VHS things. You've seen those oh, from the yeah. '80s. Hey, I'm just uh, I'm here for a good time. My name's Wally. A lot of people call me Wally Gator. <laughs> no, but uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's really something that matters to me. Uh, I want to look for a love girl, a girl that's uh, in love and having ready good time. <laughs> I just can't. You just find a search for like 80s dating video. Yeah. And it just blows your mind. I love it. You want to talk about marketing? These guys. <laughs> These guys. All right. So number nine was amateurs still can't build software. And our final, our last one is. Number 10. Is that it's just as hard to do the real work as it always has been. Mm. You guys want to take this one for me? Steph, take her away. So I hope that this one isn't like us being the bearer of bad news because I, I feel like we encounter a lot of people and I totally understand why all of us, I, we can all identify with this one, looking for kind of like that magic bullet, right? Whether it's, we talked about podcasting being the next hot thing. When you were talking about that, Corbett, I was also thinking about Instagram and how big Instagram mm -hmm. has been. Now Instagram's not as big because there's algorithms and it's not as much the Wild West as it used to be. This year mm -hmm. in 2016, we saw Snapchat get really big and then kind of you know, go fall by the wayside. So I just feel like we're in this perpetual place of the the next big thing coming up and people are always looking for a way to kind of cut a corner or, you know, find that sort of magic bullet that's going to help them take off like a rocket ship. And those do exist. But for the most part, I think for us, especially, you know, the people who run Fizzle, this community of, you know, 2000 amazing people who are trying to build businesses they care about, the people who we see day in and day out who are really like doing the damn thing and, and making their living and get getting to that minimum viable income that we talk about. When I think about people who I saw hit that minimum viable income this past year, they were really people who are just kind of doing it the old fashioned way. And by that, you know, of course, I mean, you know, build like everything we've talked about in this episode, figuring out a need, building on that, putting it out there, getting the feedback you know, sticking their neck out there and seeing what people thought of it and then iterating it and making it better. So I think that's what we mean by the real work. That's how I look at it. It's just, you know, every single day taking that next step that's going to help you follow that business roadmap that we talked about. And it's coming to terms with the fact that there's a lot of people out there who are who, who maybe will tell you that there's like a quick and dirty way to make money online. And, and I'm really excited that that has worked for some people. That's great. But for the most part, 
doing the real work is is where the rubber meets the road. And, and that's that that's the way to success, even though it might not be the fast way. It is probably the most, I don't know, reliable and steady and, and legit and good feeling way. I don't know. That's how I took it. Corbett wrote this article. And when I read it, that's kind of that's kind of my take on it. No, I love it. I think you nailed it. I think you did. So yeah. what's that? And just to, to wrap things up, I think, yeah. um, you know, we don't present these trends to encourage people to ride them necessarily or to have to worry about them. I think that sometimes riding a trend can help your business be more successful than it may otherwise Yeah, but have that's been. such a factor of luck and timing, you know? Totally. So, you know, you have to just show up and do the work and uh, and put one foot in the in front of the other every day. Check, check those tasks off of your list like mm-hmm. we were talking about to open the show and uh, and then hope that maybe you can spot some trends along the way and see if you can use them to your advantage. Yeah. Okay, here's those 10 lists again. Number one, podcasting has kind of lost its hotness. Now it's just another tool in the box and it's still very useful. Number two, you're getting uh, more comfortable with the idea of building software. There's more of these indie entrepreneurs sort of creating actual software instead of just being infopreneurs. Uh, number three, startup and lifestyle business worlds are sort of overlapping more than ever. Four, nearly every category of software tool now has multiple great choices. You have uh, you have you have both you have, you have great options for literally all the software tools you need, right? Which is which is a new world in some ways. Um, being uh, number five, being a small independent product maker is a legit new career choice. These are people going, I'm going to be an entrepreneur with a small e. All right, and then these are the five trends that are more of the same as they ever were. Number six, the essential roadmap for building a business is the same as always. The steps, the requirements, the mindset, et cetera. And again, we walk you through our version of that. We think it is the realest version out there in our nine-stage roadmap, which you can get uh, at fizzle.co. Then number seven, the customer still holds all the answers. And we talked about how the customer conversation course that Steph created teaches you how to learn these insights from customers. We talked about number eight, the content is formulaic just like it always was. And I feel like that's an interesting thing to like take in and go like, oh, interesting. Okay, so how do I, how do I stay creative within these forms? How do I use these forms if I'm not already? Number nine, amateurs still can't build software. <laughs> this is a thing we thought we'd be able to do by now. Nope, you got to have expertise to do that. And number 10, it's just as hard as it ever was to do the real work. And that is why Fizzle exists, you guys. If you don't know, we exist because it's a nightmare to try to build this thing on your own, whatever you're trying to build. The hardest thing is to put one foot in front of the other every single day. And so we wanted to create a community of people who are helping each other out, giving a little support, asking for help. We also wanted to provide them with training that's like, hey, how do I set up... uh, WordPress. It's like, well, there's the video for that. Go go watch that video and now you're done. You're back on the road. Hey, how do I, I want to start talking to my customers? How do I do that? Take Steph's course. Now you're good to go, right? How do I communicate my elevator pitch? Take the telling your story elevator pitch course, right? So we've got all these courses and we've got this community. That's what it's built for. If that sounds good to you, give it a try. As a Fizzle Show listener, you get five weeks for free. That's Fizzle Show. No, that's just at fizzle.co slash try five. That's it. Fizzle.co slash try five if you're interested. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Steph Crowder. (laughs) And we'll see you there. Or or we'll see you on another time. So there you have it. All right. Fizzle 
thechairshow.co slash 193. That's where you're going to find the article that Corbett's written about this podcast episode. Or maybe the article was written first and then we made the podcast episode. One of the two. All right? But more importantly, fizzleshow.co slash survey. Why do I want you to fill out this survey? Because we're going to listen to your answers in that survey to define our topics for next year. Okay, so I ask you to fill out this quick survey that I made myself at fizzleshow.co slash survey because I love to make this show for you and I want to incorporate your feedback. I really, really do. So head over to fizzleshow.co slash survey, please. And thank you. Here's an iTunes review from Chartrusa in the U.S. of A., who says, I very much understand when this podcast was reviewed critically, and the complaint is too much joking around in the beginning, and it takes time to get to the topic at hand. I've felt this way sometimes. I think that says more about me and my day. Like, come on, fix me. I don't have all day. I have to figure this out now. Get to do this thing. But just when I think I will learn nothing, something so profound and beautiful will be said, or a seriously useful tip will be shared. Something great. That will help you forever. And more important than what is said is that feeling of connection. They really do care about creating something meaningful. If you listen to enough shows, you will enjoy the fun banter, knowing the goods are coming along shortly. Or you can always go fix yourself a cup of coffee for the first couple of minutes if you aren't in the mood. Wow, Chartrusa! This is such, such, such a beautiful, lovely sentiment. I'm so grateful that you wrote it in as an iTunes review. Honestly, thank you. You know, dear listener, our goal is to help you make progress on your business every single week. It helps us to do that when you leave us an iTunes review because it helps more people to find the show. And that's why we keep doing this is because there is a movement. There is a movement of independent business. This is small e entrepreneurship, and we want to create the tools and the resources to help people do this. So if you are into that movement, please Drop an iTunes review over on iTunes. Just open up the iTunes app, go to the store and search for Fizzle and click write a review uh, and tell us how you like the show. I, lo- I love reading these. We read every single one. I share them with with the members of the team and everything. We just love it. So Chartrusa, thank you so much for taking uh, the time to write that. And dear listener, please consider doing doing it this your, yourself as well. Uh, here's the thing. Listen. My goal, my wish, my hope for you is not for an easy or gentle or cloudless life, but for a heart fully awake and eyes alight with direction, potential, and joy. You can find some of that at fizzleshow.co slash survey. Did I say fizzle.co slash survey? (laughs) Please, love you. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.